0: Welcome back to a brand new season of Soundcheck. My name is (laughs) Ange. Enthusiasm. (laughs) I've caught off guard by enthusiasm. That's how terrible this world is. What is that exactly? I have not heard enthusiasm in a long time. But if there's any time to be enthusiastic, it's when Soundcheck gets back on the air. And as always, it's hosted by me, Andrew Mullen and my absolutely wonderful, spectacular, magnificent, slightly uh, hairy co-host, Michael Livingston. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, I mean you had and then you lost me, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I didn't know how else to say it, but but I'm not saying as a bad thing, Michael. You you have a wonderful beard. That's what I was referring to. Yes, I'm, so, I'm really
1: trying, and now people can see it because we are on video.
0: Yes, we are. We are. You have to see our my horrible, horrible face. I apologize for that, but hopefully we can march through it. But there is a a third individual on this call as well. Our ever wonderful, our ever just keeping this thing rolling somehow. We appreciate him so much. He is.
2: Ben Ackley,
0: yay! A podcast. Yay. Over. I don't know what this intro is, but <laughs> I think it went well. But yes, sound Tech, We are back. We are the rock and roll and alternative music podcast here at Central Michigan Life, and uh, we've been away for a little while. You know, some, summer was around. Uh, there's this ever-present thing happening in the world. You can probably take a guess what that is, um, but yeah, we are we will be we are coming back. Still doing things over Zoom. We want to make sure we are taking some safety precautions here. Maybe one day we'll be back in a studio if we can figure out how to record a video there and you know, keep every, make sure everyone is safe and not sick. That would be nice. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to be a really fun season. We've got some really fun ideas uh, you know, planned you know, going forward uh, this semester. But yeah, first of all, I want to stop talking and hear from my, my my two good friends here.
1: What have you guys been up to this summer? This summer, um, we all were kind of working a little bit, but um, we all had kind of different things going on. I was working for the Midland Daily News and WCMU Public Radio, which was a lot of fun. I mean, I recorded not only the, the world crisis we're in, but also the crisis Midland faced with the floods and everything. And that was... I mean, that just, I grew, I definitely grew as a journalist being there. And I mean, that was a life changing experience, but um, somehow I found time to discover some awesome new music, which we'll get to, but yeah, that was pretty much my summer. as just like nine to five job, which, you know, I didn't think I could get through, but it was, um, it was waking up, doing stories, putting them out every day. And now we're finally back at CM life. And I mean, I have such a bigger appreciation for this place now because it's like, you know, we're, it is an official news organization, but like we're not really out there like the Midland Daily is like a story a day kind of thing. So, yeah, that's what I did.
2: Yes. Uh, my summer was a lot less work oriented, I would say a lot less. Um, my big thing, I, I did a little bit here at CM Life. I was working on some podcasts. We'd have a podcast come up here, a video come up there, and I'd help out. But for the most part, um, my summer centered around a like three-week long uh, road trip. We traveled, I think, I don't have the full totals yet, but it was around 7,000 miles. We got from here to uh, Yosemite in California and back. And we were able to do it safely, surprisingly. And uh, we had to cut some legs off of it because of the, the virus in Texas being so bad and stuff like that. But it was a, a successful summer nonetheless and a very cool trip that I had been waiting a long time to do. And a lot of the songs, I think all of the songs that I'm gonna to play you today had a little factor in that, that, the soundtrack for that trip.
0: Excellent, wow. I'll be looking forward to hearing those anecdotes. Um, and then as for me, I was working in Ann Arbor for um, at the Ann Arbor News for M Live. If you don't know, if you are somehow tuning outside of Michigan, that is a uh, well, I think it's the the parent company's events local, but it's a kind of a group. East Michigan and lives a group of like papers across the state. Uh, I'm not going to list all the cities that they're in, but they're in quite a few of them. And, uh Arbor is one of them. And that's where I worked. Well, mostly from home. I unfortunately had to work home from Brighton, uh, you know, 44 Ann Arbor, which is weird and not really how I wanted to do it, but uh, it's the world we're living in right now. And uh, yeah, just kind of uh, just kind of helped pick up the slack from wrote a lot of uh uh, you know like kind of talk to a lot of business owners talk about how much struggling <laughs> watch in some cases not like adapting pretty well to it uh, through all to the to the pandemic, but and yeah, just uh Yeah, it was an interesting time. I uh, hadn't really Done journalism like that before and uh, it's how we're still doing it now kind of you know doing things remotely, but uh Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it just sucks kind of yeah, really some the way of saying it, but let's
1: not let's not down ourselves here well, you're talking I, I th- about journalism i think we should talk about it more because i felt so bad for you throughout the summer because you're in ann arbor like where i catch a lot of shows and there was no shows to go to no shows to go to no really there's hardly probably you know there was some like when when they
0: opened up the patio space sometime when they when 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 you went there and because eventually i know a lot of towns and cities are doing this where they're like allowing some streets open uh to patio spaces where like restaurants can like extend and, uh, you know, like put put table, you know, put tables out so they can serve people outside, you know, social distance. And then also just having like, you know, a cornhole there or whatnot, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, and honestly, as a side note, that's honestly, I hope something that at least the local levels, that's what towns and cities will do. Maybe at least on weekends or something, realize, hey, we don't need roads everywhere. Like they're not necessarily a lot, a lot of place. They won't really, be too much of a burden and uh you know we can just you know have good patio spaces instead and that's a good way to bring communities together and honestly even like unclog you know traffic congestion because more people are walking and biking but that's a whole another discussion so but just the point is yeah there were some fun things when i a few times i did manage to get down there there were some fun things but yeah like not a lot was happening, you know, in Ann Arbor like you would expect if you know anything about it. It's a you know pretty it's a busy you know town with you know with a big university there and whatnot. And so it was a bit of a bummer, but again, let's not dwell on bummer with uh the music, sorry, with, with the journalism industry. And let's talk about the bummers of the music industry. Because uh before we get into our 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 main topic, which we'll introduce in a second, I think you kinda wanted to kind of like three of us kind of wanted to have a short discussion about what we think the city of the music business is right now and i actually kind of want ben to start us off with that um because he does the music making he he puts the music online so he's kind of a has a has a foot in that so i, I i'm kind of curious what you have
2: to say say about that ben right well that i i, I, I wouldn't say i have a huge role in the music industry, but. I didn't say huge, I said you had a foot. (laughs) But I've dipped my toe into it before. I've known what it's like to make fractions of pennies off of songs on Spotify and stuff like that. Um, And yeah, if there's, obviously every industry is hurting from this right now, but considering that we're in the age of streaming, Your favorite bands are probably doing pretty poorly right now because they make their money off of concert appearances and specifically selling merch at those concert appearances. Now that's not happening. Um, So bands are losing a lot of money. I'm assuming, you know, a lot of the smaller bands we like, these people work regular jobs too, but they might be having to pick up hours there, focus even less on the music than they were already able to. So it is it 's kind of dire straits that we can have concerts anymore because that
1: was the huge mainstream of revenue for bands, especially these smaller bands. I can back that up by just saying like you you can th- you know it 's right to feel like why can 't I go to a show you know It was festival season we missed out on um, you know all of these great bands performing, and you know what am I going to do but really you should be thinking about the people that were supposed to be on stage. I mean, um, go back and listen to our hidden in the mitten episode, the, uh, online finds and stuff, those bands that we talk about that don't get a lot of, um, attention from the big record labels, or they don't have like a big, historical significance, the ones that are up and coming. It's those not a big
0: falling in general. Yeah,
1: those artists are in jeopardy. Their, their art is in jeopardy. The ability to make a living off of it is in jeopardy um, because of this virus. And um, getting rid of live performances and um, that face-to-face interaction with your favorite band up on stage, um, that is a whole part of the Umbrella of music that is missing, and and here's the rain falling through, right? And um, you know, I hope for the sake of anybody who makes and records music um, that this is going to be changed as soon as possible. I mean, um, obviously that depends on us, um, how strong our government is, et cetera, et cetera. But like, um, yeah, this is this is something that's facing us as a podcast the performers, and you as a listener.
0: Yeah, and, you know, uh, I, don't think, I don't know if anyone should upset it yet, but I think you need to point out the obvious here, again, I think Ben kind of alluded, alluded to it, thus being in the age of streaming, most artists, you know, like pretty much every artist makes most of the money through touring, through playing sh- shows you know playing gigs not through the music really making anymore i mean sure vinyl sales are are are, are back up although i don't know how they've been lately yeah. you know it, it they're not making money from the music really anymore except when they play it live i mean that that's just been the general rule it's been the general understanding for the past you know 10 years how, or however many pretty much since you know I, iTunes came around and piracy became a thing it, you know it, it's it's like it, you know, for even for, yeah, even forget you know having you know, streaming or you know you know online you know digital purchases. Yeah, piracy is still a thing, and you know we we can debate you know, the merits of that, like how how ethical that is all day long. The point is, it's still there. People are still gonna do it, and yeah, without artists being able to play shows, I mean, I don't have exact figures in front of me, but it it, it can't be good. There is no way it can, can be good. Um I know I know like Bandcamp, for instance, they've been trying to cut back in artist fees and uh, you know trying to you know like encourage people to purchase music through that through their site. You know, some, some places are trying to do things like that, but I don't know how much you can really catch all. I'd be really interested to see if you know, I don't know if anyone would be able to calculate like, how much money you know artists lost during this time. How many bands? Broke up because of this because they, they can't like because they can't tour or and it's like like just like how those relationships fall apart or they can't make money it's like well and I have to make money somehow this music thing isn't gonna cut it now yeah. and I, yeah. and would they want to pick it back up after this whole thing ends I don't know so it, it, it's a really sad state of affairs I don't I don't know virtual concerts I don't like there's a lot of things virtually around us i think that will catch on after this pandemic ends concerts i'm not too sure about like i don't know how
1: much to go to a couple it's not the same man
0: it just isn't you know and you know i don't, I don't know if i want to like spend 30 bucks or however or, or, or even just tuning even just for free just tuning in it's like okay i'm just just like i'm watching like a, a like a like a festival clip on youtube except there's no people there so i don't know this this it's, a, again, like I said, it's a sad state of affairs and I don't really know what solution there is. It's just the music industry is kind of in a weird place
1: because of that and it's just suffering because of it. Yeah. Just to avoid being preacher or anything, if you were planning on starting that record collection or that CD collection or... You know, you were like, "What should I buy this person's music? Do it. Now is the time to do it. Um, And, you know, I I don't think we're going to spend every episode kind of addressing this and talking about it, even though we should. But, like, that's something you should be thinking about and something you Mm -hmm. should act on. Now's the chance. Um, Take that unemployment money and go go on your favorite record store's uh, website and just order a shit ton because uh, God knows they need it all of those artists.
0: Like, uh, those, the bigger artists will be fine. It's obviously the smaller artists. It's that maybe the, if you're to thinking about starting a physical collection, go there. But even then people don't have as much disposable income nowadays. Like I don't, so I, I don't know how much, even if people do want to support them, I don't know if they have the capacity to do so now.
1: And and, and you know, I think just a lot of things just keep piling up on that. And yeah, I mean, just to conclude the conversation, um, Act on it. You know, do your part as a music listener. Um, you have an extra job now um, to go and support those artists that you've come to love and respect. Um, those smaller ones, like Andrew was saying, um, Mick Jagger will be fine, but you know, that that small band you saw in a house or a local venue, uh, they need you. So go help them out. Excellent, Michael. Michael's
0: diatribe was so good. Ben, is speechless. <laughs> uh so uh let's let's move on to the meat of this episode um you might maybe you may be able to guess from the title of this episode whatever it's going to be uh we're gonna gonna start off kind of i want to say light you know kind kind of simple we're talking about the music we discovered this summer particularly over or maybe during quarantine maybe more specifically i don't know which basically the same thing Uh, at this point of all summer was in quarantine so we're, we're Obviously, I mean, even between work and whatnot, sounds like we all had some time to discover new music. Obviously, you know, being stuck at home. Yeah, probably more time to peruse, you know, you know Spotify or online or YouTube or whatever. I rediscover music and, uh, you know, just kind of get into new, some new stuff. So uh, not every artist I think we're talking, actually, no, definitely not every artist we're talking about are necessarily small. In fact, I see one of Michael's is, is uh, pretty well known uh so and that's not really the point to like particularly talk about smaller name artists i don't think i think we just want to talk about stuff that we personally kind of discover the summer and we kind of want to just talk about it and share with each other and then of course share with all you the listeners at home or watch us at home if you're on youtube forgot we're doing video
1: now this is gonna take (laughs) some getting used to yeah you pretty much nailed it down um the only thing i would add is like not all of these are just like artists we've discovered i know my my picks at least like i got a soundtrack in mine one of them's just an album um these are just like right. things just music uh that we really connected with over the summer and um whether that was inspired by quarantine or not we'll find out but i mean yeah it's just some great picks that you should check out and uh yeah um just some cool stuff we were vibing to over the summer yeah so let's do
0: some vibing all right i, I regret <laughs> saying that immediately ben <laughs> No, sorry. No,
1: Michael, you're going to yeah. start us off now. Uh, inter- talk about your first pick for us. So this first album, I was recommended um, just by one of the various music pages I follow on social media, Instagram, whatever. I recognize the cover. It's e- easily recognizable. You got this small little alien dude opening <laughs> up a door. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Um, there's not a lot of background to this that I can really give you. Um, It's the debut album of a Swedish musician named Sputnik, um, but under the alias Weather Day. So that's what you're going to want to search on Spotify. It dropped out of nowhere last year in April. Um, I had first heard this. I had just finished moving into my new apartment, setting up furniture, hanging stuff up. I was tired. I laid on my bed. I put on these studio headphones that I acquired from my summer internship. um, And I just kind of launched into this thing. And you're gonna see what I mean here when Ben shows you the first track. Um, It's the title track and it's called the Come In. Come in. (laughs)
0: i was awkwardly bobbing my head up and down
1: because i wasn't sure if this part was going to be on video or not
0: so I'm like i have
1: to do something yeah yeah. i mean i would argue that is one of the best starts to an album i've heard in a long time um hmm. i mean and it's able to keep up that emotion um like as you keep going through the album um and it breaks down at the 230 mark um you got songs like that follow it up that kind of me, mio min mio is the next track kind of trudges along um you know you get introduced some math rock elements later on um there's uh some beautiful piano ballads some strings on it i mean this album has everything i want really it breaks genre barriers intrigues you with the lyrical content shatters you with the instrumentals um it excites you it depresses you um I can see some fair criticism coming in that I think you guys will probably bring up in the production um, because yeah, the production is shoddy, but I honestly cannot listen to it or imagine it sounding any other way. Um, and yeah, I would recommend anybody check this out. You're going to see my picks kind of descend into um, least accessible, the most accessible, but I'd say if you're a fan of just like really loud, abrasive, um, you know, uh, emo noise or um, some even if you're a fan of like the early Dinosaur Jr. records, I mean, that's what I was getting when I first heard this. Um, with the doubled vocals, like I can kind of hear um, that very first Dino record in there, um, the loud guitars, and then you know, you get these beautiful instrumentals that you wouldn't expect in there, too. So, um, definitely give this album a listen. But I want to know what you guys think because this one I think came out of nowhere. I showed it to Andrew earlier in the summer when we met up, but um, right. This- yeah, in, in the in the car ride back from uh, Ann Arbor. So, I mean, now that you guys have given it a full listen, what do you think?
0: Um, I guess I'll go first since uh, Michael dropped my name there. Uh, no, this was this was pretty interesting. I I, I like this. Um, There's definitely some interesting ins- instrumentation going on. I don't know why I was getting some. Uh, this was reminding me a lot of a band that we've talked in the show before. What they called Loomer, They're in a, sh- a showcase band. Yes, it's a showcase from Brazil. Um, uh, I, I love them I think they're great and um I think they they also especially on some of the early work have a lot of shoddy production um although I think that's part of their charm uh and you know they're very noisy uh you know have, have a lot of elements of you know you know just like early dino and like you know just some classic showcase to them as well And I was definitely getting some of that fives. So definitely getting that some of them too, especially with those really buzzy guitar tone that they gave, which I really liked. Uh, as you allude to, Michael, yeah, I did have some issues with the production, and I didn't hear it as much with this one. Maybe it was just with other songs I heard, uh, is particularly the cymbals. The cymbals became a major distraction to me at some point. They were just too loud. They were kind of washing out a lot of the other instruments to me. I'm just like, it, it was to a point where it's a source. It was really sore spot to me because of that it was just too too hard to look over uh i would really like a remat. like i know it probably just came out but i already want like kind of remastering this because i did like what i he- heard but you know those symbols again kind of got in the way at times so um but no i mean this this is this is a really strong pick um i i, I kind of forgot that you had showed me this before um but now not not remembering it yeah this is this is some strong stuff and i'd be interested to see where they would go going forward if they would
2: kind of you know iron out some of the kinks they have. Yeah. Um, I will go next as I'm the only person who hasn't talked about it. Um, I, so I listen to this at Michael's place while uh, watching a like atrocious like mid 2000s shark movie. Yeah. So that is on in the background. (laughs) I have my headphones on and I'm listening to this album and it's just like (laughs) consistently blowing me away. Um, I called it in my notes a solo project that sounds like a solo project. Like it really sounds like this Swedish man is doing whatever he wants. Like you'll be rocking through a song then it'll just cut off and now there's a string quartet and then it'll cut off and now there's a piano and then it cuts off and you're back in the song again. It kind of feels like he does whatever he wants. I didn't really have a problem with the production. I'm definitely like used to really bad production just in, like I don't listen to, like I listen to a lot of like home recorded stuff from the 70s where cassette recorders were garbage and you kind of have to find the diamond in the rough. I could really like find that happening here. I also didn't notice the symbols, but I might have to go back and listen closer for that. And now that you've told me, maybe it'll bug me, but I thought that this was insane. And a note on that production, um, I don't know like what the truth to this is, but i was looking around i was trying to find any information on this at all it's very difficult as i'm sure michael knows um but i was looking at the bandcamp for the bandcamp page for this release and at the very bottom of the notes where after the the acknowledgments and the thank yous and everything there's a little thank you that says and thanks to the microphone on my earbuds for recording this entire thing or something like that and i was Whoa. like i was like this probably it's probably not the whole thing but if those if all the vocals on this album are coming through a uh earbud microphone i'm just gonna say it's possible (laughs) yeah
0: that yeah wow no that would make sense that (laughs) 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 makes sense but i mean like here's the thing and and it's gonna be a weird comparison i know when we had uh you know brent in saw our podcast, said, we, we did an episode of Black him, I And he talked about how a lot of these guys would just like take their, like their, their shitty, you know, you know, over the head, over the ear, you know, headphones to just flip it around and just use the microphone inside. Like they would, they, they would flip them inside out and use the microphone inside them to like record their vocals. I mean, that definitely has some, uh, you know, that definitely reminds me a lot of that except it's you know, less church burning and fascism. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But
1: put it that way. <laughs>
0: But no, that, no, that's. I mean, no. If that's true, I I, I actually find this a lot more endearing now because again, I just I, I like it when you know artists are able to work around you know like you know like limitations and you know be resourceful and still manage to create something you know very you know um. Can't think of the word. You know. Uh. It's j- interesting. I know that's not it's long build up for. You're right. An uninteresting word, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it I, I, I think, I think this is a really enduring band. And again, I really want to see
1: where they go or he goes. Or There's another vocalist on this album though. Wasn't there? Yeah. yeah. It's probably friends that he brought in. Um, maybe his girlfriend. Okay. There is a female voice on it. I just, I don't know who it is.
0: Yeah. So interesting.
1: Yeah. I am interested in keeping the the momentum going and going to the next person. Let's do it.
0: Oh, okay. My turn. Okay. Uh like we're gonna go just we were talking about an array of uh, emotions, but we're gonna go straight to just depressed and sad. <laughs> like that's that's the most of what you're gonna get from this artist. An artist a lot of you might actually at least have heard of, or at least have heard of at least with another band. Uh we're talking about the artist Nico. Uh if that name is familiar with you, uh she uh is a solo uh She's from Germany. I think she's started off as a model. I want to say I could yeah. be wrong, uh, but yeah. But then, but then, she went on to do a lot of acting and in uh, in music, uh, most famously on the music side, uh, working with the Velvet Underground and you know, uh, uh, seen the vocals on three of the tracks on that debut record. Uh, you know, Female Fatale, um, all all the world's parties. And Ben, can you help me with the third one?
2: <laughs> Not without looking at it, I can't. <laughs> i think it's i'll
0: I'll, be your mirror i'll be yeah thank you so yeah she she's most notable for doing that but uh you know anyone in the know she also did a lot of she also has a pretty decent array of solo work that she did uh if i her first solo album was called chelsea girl and it's I I really don't know that one very much. Uh, That that was one. She didn't write. She did a lot of covers on that one. Right. She didn't write a lot of the songs. She didn't write any Uh, of the songs
2: on that.
0: No, I know she like. I know Lou Reed actually helped her contributed to that. Um, to that record. But after I think she started hanging out with I think dating Jim Morrison for a little while, he convinced her, hey, you should write your own music, and she did, Uh, starting off with the Marble Index. Uh, and then Desert Shore, then The End, which I had, which is primarily the records I had you to sample here. So I don't think either one of you were familiar with her work. Either was I until like around the start of this whole thing. And I'll be honest, the reason I started listening to her because yeah, this 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 quarantine pandemic sucks, and I was not in the brightest spots in you know in my life at the start of this. And you know I heard, you know like okay, she she how like you know, just just dark and you know atmospheric this was and it's like i i need i need some of that so i i listened to like the marble index you know which is all i, I kind of like turned all the lights off in my rooms so i just kind of listened to the marble index and just kind of let it wash over me and this is some powerful stuff she like, and not necessarily lyrically again she has a thick accent i don't know what she's saying half the time but you know, just the way she delivers her vocals and just the way that you know like just the instruments uh, just wash over her. Uh, sorry, wash over you. Uh, she uses a Wikipedia. Help me. Um, harmonium. Harmonium. Thank you. Uh, yes, that's correct. Uh, you know, and that's primarily what she uses in her in her music, and it's just pretty much that. It's pretty stripped down, pretty bare, but yet still full of just. She has a presence about her. is the best way I can put it. Like when. A lot of people don't like her way of approaching music and I kind of can see why. I can see a lot of people listening to this and going, I don't know what's happening right now. What is the point of this? But but I think her voice just carries so much here. Um, and just to kind of like help display that, I think I just, I want to play you guys a clip from of a song from her, from, well, technically her third. So, um, uh, Desert Shore, the song's called Falconeer. that's kind of a good uh kind of overview of what her music sounds like it is pretty it's pretty bleak sounding stuff uh especially those 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 two records i mentioned and uh yeah there's some great stuff here before i continue uh spouting stuff off about here i want to hear what you two had to say because i don't think either one of you were really familiar with her solo work
1: i don't know if you had me in mind when you chose this andrew but i mean this hit the spot for me definitely and i think you probably were going to expect that i mean when it comes to putting you in this state of um, not exactly depression, I wouldn't call it that. And I was just talking with someone the other day saying, you know, it's really hard to find some music that kind of just confuses you almost. And that's, that's what I get with me sometimes is, you know, I'll listen to it and I'm in a state of confusion in a state of like, where am I? What am I doing? And it kind of makes you kind of leave your body for a second almost and kind of, see the world from a different perspective and that's what I got um with when I listened to the falconer I loved valley of kings as well um and uh facing the wind was another uh pick I had written down but um yeah I mean this this hit right right for me right right where it needs to and um yeah how did you get into this again Andrew because did someone introduce this to you or did you go from the velvet underground to Nico like so I, again, I, I really, I really don't have much of
0: a reason. I, I know I've heard a lot of people talk about the Marble Index, which is, again, the first record she pretty really much wrote by herself. And I know Fantano had mentioned it before and talked about how much she liked it. And, you know, I've heard how groundbreaking she was, because that's something else I should mention. Uh, this, this is like, I would argue this stuff, it might be just as groundbreaking as the original like the first Velvet Underground's record for a completely different reason I mean the Velvet Underground I mean they did primarily did art rock which eventually led to punk music what she was doing with this sound is eventually what led to post-punk and goth music and you know all, all that stuff you know you can definitely see you know I don't, I don't know for sure but you can definitely see how you know bands like you know Joy Division or Sushi and the Banshees might have drawn from this so uh you know all that and again plus i just wasn't in the best you know, it was, it was, this, is, this is just kind of been depressing this whole thing yeah. so some and that's kind of like how i like to listen to music sometimes i just wanted to match my mood and so all that kind of led me to really just dive finally diving into her soul stuff and it's so weird because i i don't know I, 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 outside maybe like the first two albums, I don't know much of the Velvet Underground and I don't really know much of Lou Reed's solo stuff either. Yet somehow I have now become like, this is one of my just musical obsessions right now. So uh, I I actually wasn't sure how you're going to think about this, Michael. I wasn't sure, I either thought you would really like this or be just completely bored and just like, don't not understanding this at all but i'm really glad you liked it uh ben i was even less sure about you though how you (laughs) feel about this so i want to hear what
2: you have to say i honestly i found this stuff hard to listen to not because i didn't like it but because i really want like i'm going to go back after this episode and sit down and be like okay Marvel index bring it to me because i'm there with michael like there is i listen to a lot of music and i go really far out on a lot of stuff and it's hard for me to find something that like can break me out of my shell or, or break me, uh, break my brain. And this was, you know, I was hearing like, okay, so I hear a classical influence. I hear like a little bit of English folk, especially on the marble index, but it's mostly like, you know, drawing from that European classical and just turning it on his head. And it's It's very medieval sounding. Yeah. Medieval that that's in my notes right here is, is there's a medieval element to it? Like very old English folk. Um, and there's, uh, one of the members of the, of the Velvet Underground, John Cale is the guy that produced her first her first yes. three legitimate solo albums. Mm-hmm. His influence looms pretty large on these. So does Jim Morrison's lyrically, I think. She was doing a lot of like trips out into the desert with Jim at this time where they'd go and get high on a uh, multitude of things and that's mm-hmm. kind of how that was a part of her writing process for this. Yeah. Um, my my if I had an issue which I really don't know because I haven't listened to all these records, was it was getting a little samey for me, like yeah. going through all this. It, it really feels like one big piece. Yeah.
0: And then that might've just been me. Like it just, cause again, I I can, like I said, I, for listeners, I kind of gave him a sample of what to listen to. So I, I kind of pick in this and like this kind of, like the stuff you just heard with the falconer. that's the kind of stuff that I was really drawn to. So right. that might've been my fault. I apologize, Ben. But, no. Uh, i've am I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you like this um I caught uh just a couple more things um you know, she mentioned Jim Morrison actually the the, uh, the third album the end that one night sound familiar, familiar familiar to a lot of music bands because course also the name of a very famous Dora song and uh that album came out in nineteen seventy four featured the two guitarists from Roxy music uh uh Brian Eno and I forget the other guy's name but I uh, that was inspired like obviously 1974 it's pretty that wasn't too far away from jim Morrison's death. she was i probably was very affected by it and so yeah she not only named the album after that but she performed a cover of the for cover version of that song on here and to be quite honest and this is going to shock a lot of people i think i like nico's versions better i think it's it's not as long and drawn out as the original doors version is Uh, i think it provides a lot more atmosphere and again her voice is just just has so much presence there so i really recommend if everyone go checking out that album uh and yeah she uh also had a weird death she died like in a cycling accident in like the late 80s yeah. i think she, she was in spain i think she was going out like i don't know where she was in spain but she was going to like riding her bike into town i think to get some weed or something and uh-huh. she got like hit by a car uh she's a way to go also, I should point out uh, this is definitely an artist where you have to practice separating you know, the artist from the music because she was also, from many accounts, a hella racist. She was just uh, people use the term Nazi esque with her. Like she, mm. she was a blonde born shortly after World War II ended in Germany. I'm not going to say that that had anything to do with it,
3: but you know,
0: the the uh, when people say she had Aryan tendencies at times, well, you know, you can make you can kind of, not hard to extrapolate. So as I, I say that as transparency, so you know what you're going into, she was not a good person for many accounts, just, but just listen to the music, just listen to the music is just fantastic. And that's, that's pretty much all I have to say about her. I think, um, do, you, do you have anything else you want to say about Nico?
1: That was it for me. Thank you for that disclaimer to put in there. Cause it, yeah, it is a good exercise to, you know, separate the art from the artists and it's always a muscle you want to practice but yeah Yeah. otherwise great music like you're listening
0: to the smiths michael
1: oh yes yeah (laughs) that'll be brought up
0: you know what it was just weird because first the first like the first like when i when i got back to campus the first thing i did was i handed these guys some like records (laughs) that i didn't want and i i found like this old smiths album but I just didn't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just Mr. just sort of whatever. I, 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 I kind of shit on them, but I, I'm really whatever on them. I don't really care, care about them, but I gave, I was kind of, I was kind of just lightly making fun of Michael for liking Smiths because well Morrissey's a racist dick, yeah. but you know, then I remembered, Oh yeah, I like Nico now. So I really can't <laughs> say anything about him. Yeah. So, Oh Jesus. All right. Let's, let's just move on from this. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Uh, Yes, I'm glad you do like Nico. Uh, But now we have to talk about uh, another artist that Ben introduced introduced
2: us to. Um, And yeah, it's really cool. Ben, talk about Ted Hawkins. All right, moving on. Ted Hawkins, I'll give you a little bio. So um, this album that I introduced you guys to is his debut album, although it was released when he was, I think, in his late 30s, early 40s, if I'm doing the math right. It was recorded in the early 70s, but it wasn't released until 1982 by Rounder Records when he was in jail. Um, Ted Hawkins, he grew up in Mississippi, uh, or at least was born in Mississippi, and then he was a street performer uh, in Venice Beach, California, for most of his life. That's, that was his stage, was Venice Beach. Um, and this is his first album, Watch Your Step. The album cover picture is taken the year it was released. That's him in the, in the yard of the penitentiary he was in. Um, this is, there's some full band numbers on here, but it's primarily, it's all, I think all written by Ted Hawkins, primarily solo acoustic soul music, which is a trip to hear if you haven't considered that before, but Ted plays the acoustic guitar on all of it. Um, he's amazing with a big band and that's the song I'm going to play you is one of the, the big band numbers. This is who got my natural comb, probably the silliest song on the record I'd say, and then we'll kind of get your guys' impressions on it, because I really want to hear what you thought of this.
3: Wait, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Stop the music. Stop this music. Who got my natural cone? Who got my natural cone? Who got my natural cone? (laughs)
1: think <laughs> that, was, that I, I intro your, is amazing yeah <laughs> and i gotta compliment your um your ability to turn off the song just as you need to when he left you on that note but okay. yeah this song was my favorite on the record by far and i suggested you play this one because of the, the big band horns and the the false stop and everything i mean it brings so much personality to ted hawkins and this entire record and i mean that that's kind of the um you know the different one you're gonna find in this because a lot of these songs are really heartfelt. And you know, like Ben was saying, the acoustic soul. I mean, if singers like Ted Hawkins or you know, Andrew even brought it up, this has a lot of Screaming Jay Hawkins vibes. If those, people like that don't get you moving, like I don't know what's wrong with your soul, but like <laughs> listening to this entire album, like doing chores in my kitchen, was just like It made the entire endeavor really fun um, just because, like, this guy has got vocal cords on him. He is screaming all over this whole thing, and it's just a pleasure to listen to, honestly. um, Instrumentals are great, too, some good guitar playing, but, um, I mean, I haven't listened to a record with this much personality on it in a very long time.
0: Uh, yeah, I quite like this as well. Um, you know, and you know, and you played a great example of the big band stuff, and I think the big band stuff is really, really interesting. But I, I'm actually a little more interested about the the just the stripped down acoustic stuff. You know, I know a lot of people know I, I when done right and not boring and this was certainly not boring i re, i'm really gravitated toward that stuff and i think what really drew to me this is just this just this wonderful blend of soul blues and folk music i think that's primarily what i'm hearing this maybe a dash of country here and there but uh, i mean you know the, i mean i've drawn the same reason why i'm kind of drawn to like the early work of the Jake Isles bands because they also combine a lot of those sounds together maybe it would be a bit of a bayou uh you know, tone to it as well. Uh you know, I really like it when bands kinda of combine those sounds and uh and the fact that he was able to do that so expertly with just acoustic just an acoustic guitar, I think it says a lot to his to his musical talents. Um lyrics were the only thing I was kind of down on. I mean they did get a little awkward at times. I don't wanna I don't know what he meant by some of them. I don't want to say straight up sexist lyrics. I, I I don't know what he meant by them, but I was getting inching a little toward towards that. But I, that, that that wasn't really most of the record. I I, I I just I thought this was just a so much like Michael said personality, so emotion. You know, I think this guy felt so earnest and genuine, and um, yeah, and 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 just and I and just between the you know doing the little research that I did and the and the bio that Ben gave at the start, I think it makes this guy all the more interesting. And uh, yeah, I'm surprised there isn't a biopic about his life yet. So we so someone should get on that
2: to that point um two things on ted hawkins first of all his widow um rest in peace ted hawkins uh sold the movie rights to his life so there may one day be a biopic on ted hawkins and what i really want to hammer home with ted hawkins that you probably got from that and that you'll get from basically every song on this record is there are a handful of artists i can think of um probably screaming jay hawkins is a good example ted hawkins uh i think jonathan richmond is a really good example too especially in like his earlier power poppy kind of stuff there are some artists that sing like they're so happy or so moved by the music that they can't stay on microphone and ted hawkins is like that ted hawkins sings like his head is going to explode if he doesn't like he just has to get it out and he has so much power behind his voice even on the acoustic numbers um and it is really like of i think my three records for me are all very like moving emotionally and have been since I found them. But this one is just, you know, the love songs are sweet as saccharine and beautiful. The the energetic songs are over the top and so full of energy. I really think that if you're a person who likes music in general, I think you can find something here that you're going to like. Was that, right? I
1: think it's Michael's turn again. Oh, back to Michael. Background. Um, I mean, I, I mentioned this next pick, um, in an episode from last season. Um, I made a book it put it as a recommendation. Um, I don't really remember. I definitely mentioned it in passing, but, um, this summer I got into the flaming lips just more and more and more. Um, and they've always kind of been there for me. Um, my dad is a huge fan. Um, their song, she don't use jelly was on my first MP3 player. <laughs> um, but it wasn't like I said, it wasn't until this summer where I really dived in. And these guys have been around forever. Um, the debut, here it is, came out in eighty-six, and they were kind of lumped into that late 80s college rock alternative scene. Um, but they always were too weird to be lumped into like one subgenre or section. Um, they were on Restless Records until the 1990 or the 90s, uh, where they actually got into Warner. <laughs> um Apparently the studio executives kept asking them to make an accessible record, Ben told me this, and uh, then they just got weirder and weirder and weirder over time. Um, no, it wasn't you, it was, it was my roommate Brody who told me this. Yeah. And almost everything I've heard is terrific. I've, I've heard all the classics by this point. I, I listened to uh, the Soft Bulletin and of course the debut, but the one I wanted to bring on the show was of course Yoshime Battles the Pink Robots. That's their classic, that's their magnum opus. And um, yeah, Ben's going to play you the title track of that, um, the first part of a two-part song, and uh, you're going to see the production quirks, you're going to see this beautiful acoustic, and you're going to get some awesome uh, lead vocals as well. Those
3: evil-natured robots are to destroy. Just take
1: I apologize, Ben. I think I was actually going to have you play Do You Realize? But, I mean, this song is just as great. Um, you should listen to that one as well, Do You Realize? That's later in the album. But these guys are just wonderfully weird. Um, they've collaborated yeah. with so many weird names. Miley Cyrus and Kesha are a couple yeah, examples. For um,
3: that.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and, did they um, did Oh, and sorry. Did, did they, didn't they cover Sgt. Pepper's,
1: the whole album, with Miley Cyrus? Wasn't that the collaboration? I no it was miley cyrus and her dead pets was the album name i don't know if that was another thing oh, they they've done did. that too yeah they did yeah, with a bunch yeah. of different artists mm-hmm. okay. well yeah that that's pretty interesting well yeah um i love these guys and i've been just as i fell into the rabbit hole over the summer and um i just love how the the production is iconic um uh, Mark Coyne's uh, vocals are incredible, and the guitar work is um, just fantastic. Like, simple chords, very simple chords. I mean, these are songs you can teach yourself in a half hour, but um, the way they work it into the song is, is just always blows me away. And um, Yoshime Battles, The Pink Robots, like I said, is the magnum opus album, but I would recommend going and listening to The Soft Bulletin and any of their classics that came out in the late 80s and early 90s Uh, along with all the great other bands that we've mentioned on this show before. But uh, let's start with Ben, because I showed you guys uh, these guys to you before, but uh, what did you think now listening to the whole album? And then we'll go to Andrew.
2: Um,
1: I have a little familiarity
2: with the, the flaming lips. Like I am more familiar with a handful of the early stuff. Um, But this is where, you know, I I was, I had heard of this album. I heard it was good, but I hadn't gotten into it. Yeah. This guy's voice is top-notch. I love his voice. I really love the songwriting, like they have the weird edge, but they're putting it towards a concept album, which concept albums are kind of what got me into music, like The Who's Quadrophenia was one of my first favorite albums, stuff like that. Um, Something I did want to mention, sort of usual unsung heroes of albums, I wanted to talk about the rhythm section on this album, because you're getting bass, but you're getting lots of like keyboard bass, like lots of synth bass and the drum sounds. I guess I don't know if it was programmed drums or real drums or programmed bass or real bass, but the drums and bass on this album are awesome. Like the rhythm sections, I was getting kind of a Beck vibe like from some of Beck's more bleep blue electronic-y stuff. Um, There's sort of a a funkiness to it. There's kind of a cinematic nature to this album too, which I was really surprised by. I hadn't had a concept album really paint a picture for me in a long time. This one does, um, but yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And there are songs in here that really work in the context of the album. There are songs in here that you can pull out and just listen to. It's kind of the perfect storm for when it comes
1: to a concept album. And it, it got me even more interested in the Flaming Lips than I already was. So sure. I want to make a quick correction. It's not uh, Mark coin that did that. It's his brother Wayne who kind of, yeah, asp- yeah I was going to say that band. Uh, sorry about that. But anyway, go yeah. ahead.
0: Yeah, um, I will say I know even less about the Flaming Lips than Ben does. I I mean, I really, apart from maybe, like, listening to a clip or two, I really kind of avoided these guys for no real reason. I I remember hearing some, like – do I, I swear I when i was first getting into music i never like people making fun of them maybe it was because of the whole Miley Cyrus stuff and i felt like i just kind of wanted to avoid them maybe that was i was probably a mistake it was definitely a mistake on my part um outside of that i mean yeah i really didn't know much of the music i know that they played here a couple times actually mount pleasant before uh there's a uh we have a local venue here called rubbles and it used to be called tom's foolery um and they they brought a bunch of bands like black flag and soul asylum and uh uh, the dead milkman and whatnot just did, did, lot a lot, lot of you know pretty notable names from like you know 80s punk and uh alternative college rock and whatnot flaming lips as well I, I don't know they played at least two shows maybe even three i don't remember but they did like whole like uh you know like light shows like i've seen like photos there's a bunch of like just washed out photos and it looks look really cool it would be interesting to see these guys back in the day and just a, such a small because that's a very small crowded bar that would have been interesting um, but yeah I, I, I think one of the big reasons why I kind of avoided them for so long because they have they have one of those catalogs I like to say and those catalogs meaning oh my god they've been around forever they put out like a thousand albums I don't know where to begin especially with this band since I know they've changed their style sound a ton of times so uh but i got to say i really did like this one um i really should kind of pay attention to the concept of this more i wasn't too familiar again i wasn't familiar with this so i didn't know there was a concept behind this but yeah the, the song you just played was great um i think in the summertime no it's summertime in the summertime times so, a not a good song, but it's summertime. It is a good song, and uh, I yeah, I I, I really enjoy. I really enjoyed like like I I think Ben said it best when he said it sounded cinematic. I think that's a great way of putting it. I uh, love love the production on this. I think it, it, everything just yeah, well. I don't know. Again, I don't have much to say on it because again, I really didn't. uh I don't know much of the concept, but this is you know, This is a really strong pick, Michael. And I, if you could help me. Or either too, I don't know. Yeah, I'd, l- I'd like to exploit these guys further. Um, I don't Again, I still don't know where to go because I know that, again, they've just changed sounds so many times. All
1: right. Well, I would be happy to. I'm glad you guys uh, found this one notable for sure. I mean, uh, anything that sounds like when you put like a rock band in Neo-Tokyo, I mean, I don't know. I just, I want that concept <laughs> to be in every music I, or all the music I listen to. So anyway, uh, we'll just keep uh, trucking forward if we want to go to our next pick Yeah,
0: so these next guys are definitely a discovery like you know remind one like the whirling those two again not to say that it wasn't necessarily the purpose of this episode was to show like tiny, you know, really small artists, but uh, Yeah, this one definitely is a discovery and a small artist. They have 84 monthly listeners on Spotify currently and uh, all their songs have less than a thousand a month Except for I think one. Yeah uh, let's and it 'd be great if you can increase that because this band uh called the bat Crazies, all one word i i don 't like those band names where they just by i i don 't like those band names where they just make it all like one word it 's like is your space bar broken? what is the point whatever that that 's a small small gripe because I think this band's really really fun it's it's just fun like i i I just loved i loved this band i don 't remember how I came across them i think my my girl, I I think I was searching for like a band called like the Bats or something. I think probably because my girlfriend loves bats, like the animal. So I was finding a bunch of band, fans with the word fat in it. I came across these uh, these 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 two. They're a a female duo over in Israel. I you know I, which I don't I don't think we've really touched on very much. And that's about as much as I know because all like their social media is in Hebrew. I think so. I don't have much more to say <laughs> as far as background, but uh, all I do know is that their first album—I think it looks like their first full-length record, at least the one that's on Spotify—came out uh, last year. Uh, it's self-titled. There's eleven tracks, but it's only like, like, like eighteen minutes because like all these songs are really short. It's, this album is just a blast. I I can't emphasize this enough. There is this great snarky attitude throughout the whole thing, even though I don't know what they're saying half the time because again, it's in Hebrew. But uh, they they just have just this really spunky attitude and I would highly just recommend listening to them. They're great. Uh, I'm gonna play a song for you. I believe it's called Haiti Meta. That's probably said that wrong. I apologize for anyone who speaks Hebrew. But yes, I'd love Ben to play a clip for it. It is, you'll see what I mean. little punky little indie all fun i'm I'm gonna stop saying the word fun you guys start talking i don't want to talk anymore
1: i would agree with you though man this entire album was a blast i mean and uh this is one of those bands where i'd love to know the backstory on because i bet it's super interesting how a couple of girls came together and started making music like this that's noisy um um, but, you know, has some melody to it as well. Um, and like you said, uh, they, you can tell they were having a great time putting this together. I love the Mean Girls reference in here with Glenn Coco. Um, but I didn't catch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's a Mean Girls. Reference. Oh, great. And that song was one of my favorites, too. Uh, and, and the one you played as well um friend trend was also good that one really trudged yeah. along. which I, I found some solace in that but yeah i i fell in love with this right away i mean it was it's it's different than anything you brought before because i i see the name batshit crazies and i'm like oh, okay it's another punk band you know all all these picks were good but like um it was i thought it was like okay like it, it, maybe it'll sound something like andrew's put together before but no this this kind of like stood out right away and it was kind of like oh this is there's something different about this and you know i i don't want to point to maybe it's their place of origin or something like that but i mean they're putting something together here that uh, i've never heard before at least from a, a punk genre uh, umbrella so i really appreciate that
0: well hopefully we'll be hearing more from
1: moving forward Anything else out, or just this
0: out? Um, I, again, I don't know. I, I think I've seen maybe a, heard like a couple other things, that, like other songs on their Facebook page. Like you could, they're on Bandcamp. You can find them. I didn't see anything else on Bandcamp. You might be able to find a couple other things from Facebook. Again, I, I had to look through Google Translate, so I don't, I don't know how much of, any of this is accurate. I think they might have said they have some new stuff coming out. Uh, pretty, they've in, in recent posts. I don't know for sure, cause again, it, it's Google translate, but yeah, I, I, again, I wish I had more, I really did. I wish, really wish I had more info on, on, on these two, but I, I don't, I just don't. Cause again, I mean, they're pretty small or uh, from another part of the, you know, the world. So um, I, I, just, I just don't, I just don't have the info, but uh, yes, I'm sure I will put some recommendations in if they ever come out with new stuff. Uh, in in future episodes um
2: yeah but that's all i have to say about about this band so i am going to continue two trends that michael has set up for this episode with his first two artists the first being a solo artist working under an assumed name that sounds like a band name and the second being bringing up an artist that we've brought up before on a previous episode i've talked about david berman's final project purple mountains before on here i recommended one of the singles from this album i'm going to talk about it again and Purple Mountains, much like Weather Day, is just the name for a man, not a band. So Purple Mountains is a self titled <laughs> album that came out last year. It's the final album by David Berman, who before this went by uh, the pseudonym Silver Jews, as that was sort of like a, a turnstile of band members, kind of just whoever of his friends he wanted to record with, and him. He was the mainstay. He was the mainstay of this as well. This could have been a project like that. We will never know. Um, this is a pretty Mid-tempo album. It's a pretty dark album as well. Um, it focuses on uh, David Berman lost his mother. There's a song about that. There's uh, his struggles with depression. His crumbling marital relationship is a very big part of this album. Um, this album, well, there's 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 some more with it, but I think I'll get into it. Um, this is one of the other singles from the album, I think maybe, or this might be an album cut, but this is a song called "Storyline Fear."
4: unable to perform some simple task trapped at the stage of analysis thoughts of the shortness of life may begin bouts of shortness of breath in your chest doubts about the words of the night you got left crowding out all but fear and regret you got storyline fever storyline flu it's filtering how everything looks to you don't you reckon it's affecting your attitude storyline fever got its hooks in you Storyline
2: fever got you. So I do have a little more backstory on that album. Um, not to bring things down, but I think I'm gonna. Uh, this album, when David Berman made this album, he had been retired from music for 10 years. Um, allegedly, according to what I've read, he said so himself that at this point in his life, he had um, like $100,000 in debt, credit card debt, and other debt. Um, so uh, allegedly this is uh, a reason why he got back into music was in hopes of, of stymieing that. Um, this came out in July of 2019. So like a little over a year ago now, To near near-perfect reviews. And like a little over a year ago now, about five weeks after that album came out, David Berman was found. Uh, he had hanged himself in his New York apartment so this is the last we will ever hear from David Berman. What did you guys think of it <laughs> yeah well
0: I, I, well uh, after, after that jolly little story about suicide i I have a no no this this was uh, this was actually excellent I, I I really enjoyed this um i don 't know why I was Maybe a little bit. Maybe it was a little um, trivial to think that, but I was getting reminded of the band Bright Eyes quite a bit on the on this album. Mainly feel like the shakiness of his voice, it reminded me a lot of their vocalists. Um, you know, it's definitely, I mean, but definitely focused a little more on the folkier side of things rather um, than. I mean, Bright Eyes already has a little bit of quite a bit of folk in their influences, but you know, a little folkier than what they are, a little more subdued um, than what they are, and I, I know I. And especially with that backstory about like the the studio was in, I think it definitely adds a lot to to the lyrics and whatnot on this on this record. Um, you know, Storyline Fever is probably I mean, also probably to highlight for me. I think that I love the licks on that. Um yeah, this is this, this was uh, great and obviously and it's fortunate, you know, the, the the backstory behind that as well and you know, what happened shortly after. So uh yeah, I don't because of that I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> I don't know what else I wanna say, but uh, no, I'm, I'm happy
1: to introduce this to me, Ben. I think this is really strong. Yeah, I can I can pretty much emulate everything you just said, but also add that Silver Jews is one of those bands that I dabble in. Um, I by no means am a fan yet or can consider myself a fan yet, mostly because I have to be in a certain mood um, to kind of endure a lot of those mid-tempo songs and more just appreciate that lyricism that's at the forefront. I mean, um, I look at David Burnham as a poet uh, before a musician, um, always have and mm-hmm. Purple Mountains um, challenged that for me because I think on this one I got a lot of colorful instrumentation that I wouldn't get normally on a Silver Juice record and um for me the highlight was margaritas at the mall because it was um it kind of stood out as this like kind of golden um you can take it as a cheery song um with some horns in the background and and stuff like that but um storyline fever i mean you gotta appreciate that guitar lick in there um that's just so catchy and um you'll find that on a lot of his music as well but um this opened my mind even more to listening to more of uh david burnham's music and uh you can expect me going back and listening to this album again as well as everything that silver g's put out because now i feel like i gotta fully commit to it after hearing you know the the black star of of this man's career yeah that that
2: is what i was going to say is is i like there's a there's a big part of me that that really values sort of final statements from artists whether they knew where they were going to be their final statement or not black star is a very good example of that but i think that you know if you think of I put purple mountains in a class with an album like black star and an album like pink moon. Like to me, this felt like pink moon, you know, you're getting that inside portrait that this isn't as stark as pink moon, but you're getting sort of that look into someone's head who is not doing okay. And I I think that, that a lot of these songs are really moving for that reason. I don't, I didn't have the backstory when I first got into it. I think the backstory sort of heightens them, but yeah, this is this is a, a stellar album. It came out to almost perfect reviews, deserved, um, and yeah. If, if, if there's a, I, I miss David Berman. I, I'll just say that. You know,
1: thank you for showing me this. I, don't know, I I definitely found some merit in it. I'm gonna get back into it.
0: Michael, do you think you can help us up, uplift us, perhaps, out of this Perfect. sadness with this uh, next pick
1: of yours? Yeah. The final pick yeah. of yours, actually. I think these are all our final picks. This is the final round, and I'm really excited to talk about this one because, um, as I said earlier, this is a, a movie soundtrack, and it's. I realized that this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Then, and I, um, you both were at uh, you know our friend Teresa's place when we uh, when Ben and I were watching this attentively, and Andrew was in the in the other room. But um, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty is a very underrated Ben Stiller um, directed and starred movie. Um, It's about a man who works for Life magazine, um, who's never really gone out in the world and lived up to life's old motto, um, which was all about adventure and getting out and experiencing new things. And um, it follows the story of uh, Ben Stiller. Um, trying to find a a photo negative um, from a famous photographer in this um, world who is just the prime example of getting out there and having adventures and experiencing life for all it is. And um, I strongly recommend the movie, um, but the soundtrack um, is what really made it stand out for me. Um, You're going to find a collection of some great indie folk pieces, um, a lot of acoustic stuff that just gives you kind of pumped and gets you really reflective in a sort of, um, looking at what's forward, um, kind of mood. Um, particularly, um, there's a scene where Ben Stiller is in, uh, Greenland or is it Iceland? Um, and he's longboarding down this giant mountain, um, to uh, get to this small town, um, uh, and he's, it's like his first adventure out and he, you can see the joy on his face and it's just like a perfect moment captured in this movie. Um, and you have this song playing in the background. It's called Far Away by a group called Junip. one um you're gonna find some great jose gonzalez tunes on here um who i got into a lot last year great indie folk singer um he does a great cover of number nine dream um by john lennon uh, amazing cover um jack johnson is on here you can remember him from curious george soundtrack of course <laughs> um yeah uh, rogue valley also has some a couple tunes on here um sorry one tune and then you got rogue wave with a, another one and then they also put um david bowie's space oddity Uh, um, at the forefront in this movie they play it in a certain scene it wasn't on the soundtrack but if you watch the movie you'll get the context of that song Uh, just another song about you know getting out there and um kind of throwing caution to the wind and experiencing new things but um ben saw the movie so i Mm -hmm. want to talk first and then andrew can give his impressions just hearing the soundtrack yes all right so before
2: we knew each other uh since i saw this movie when i was I don't know when it, when it came out, probably pretty close to that. This has always been a, a movie near and dear to my heart. It hadn't been in my mind recently. I just hadn't really been thinking of it, but yeah, we watched this at, at, uh, Teresa's place. Um, and I just remembered every reason why I love this movie. It's very creative and the, a very big reason is the soundtrack, this soundtrack that's pulled together music from different places that all kind of sounds similar, but not the same. There are lots of really big sounding songs on this, you know, lots of really soaring vocals and soaring, uh, string parts and stuff like that. Lots of really big drums, you know, like really big drums. Um, and this is, this music is adventurous. I think it's a great soundtrack for a road trip, which actually, um, I had a road trip this summer, as I talked about, And there were probably four or five songs from the Walter Mitty soundtrack that were on our big playlist that we listened to. So this music is perfectly picked for sort of a globe trekking movie like Walter Mitty is. And it really, it stands on its own and it stands, use it in your life, I'll say, use it. If you want a road trip, use it because it works.
0: Well, uh, I guess I'll speak in. I don't appreciate you, Michael. Disparaging me, you know, misrepresenting me because I actually have seen this movie before. Right.
1: Right. Okay. But it was a different.
0: long, long time ago. So I actually, I, I can't really say much to it. I actually, I actually saw this movie when I was in, actually in class in tenth grade in in, uh, in my during my high school years time. time was it a film I, and literature class? Uh, no, it was actually no, w- w- no. W- 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 it was it was was literature. It wasn't film. Uh, but it was literature because I'm not sure if you know, this is this story is that this movie, I'm going kind of based off memory and some brief Wikipedia research, is uh, actually based off of a short story written in the 40s, 30s. Yes. It's, uh, it, it's, I think it's of the same name. Uh, it, it's basically about a guy who... Is like when it's like his wife's going into like the store she's going and getting something and he's just kind of sitting in the car or he's waiting for stuff and he like he he sees he's just like you know just just, just sitting there mundane you know just having just mundane and he sees like things in like the real world like, i kind of inspire him to like you know like oh to like these crazy adventures in his head like he's so You know, he's, he's, I don't know, like having a gunfight in war or, you know, being an EMT or something like that. Or he's a surgeon. I think that was one of the ones, uh, uh, you know, and obviously that's not really how this movie followed. Or I believe the one that was made, I think there was a movie made like late 40s about based off that original uh, short story. And I don't think either one of them really followed it. Um, I remember, like, thinking, like, the original like with the original movie, I'm like, that sounds so dumb. Like, I think it did it did generally, like, sound like it was still, like, all these Avengers were still happening in his imagination. Like, that sounds dumb to me. Like, why would you want to watch a movie where you guys are just imagining things? But I was actually pleasantly surprised when I did watch the movie back in 10th grade uh, that, it, like, the most recent one with Ben Siller, that it didn't really follow that, and it was more of a breaking eyes or shell Kind of movie, and I thought that was actually a natural progression for these days and A's. I remember not being particularly impressed by the movie. Granted, I was I saw it forever ago, and I was watching it in class, so that probably had an effect on my opinion of it. So I probably do need to rewatch this, it sounds like, especially since you two are giving it such high praise. Uh, the subject, though, you know, it's pretty interesting. You know, like, like I said, it does have a lot of variety. It does have some really interesting stuff in there. I'm glad you played that that song from Junip, Michael, because I think that's really strong. I love how, like, the, the mix of that you know with really thick heavy bass with those like jangly like, like guitars over it. it gave it like a really interesting drive and i think that's that's that from what i remember the movie i think that's definitely a kind of song i think should should fit in there it should kind of help ex- you know convey the adventures um i wasn't a fan of everything on here i mean some of this some of this stuff sounded like indie music that was written for commercials to me uh particularly the uh, jose gonzalez stuff that was just me i was also not happy that there was like Goddamn version of that stupid pina colada song i if there is any song i hate more than kokomo oh for being too God. tropicals fucking pina colada song okay who's singing it I, I mean i don't care if jack johnson i don't care if it's bad religion if it I, no <laughs> band can make that song good i hate it i hate it so much but uh but no i, I space odyssey is of course a classic and you know and there, there there is some i think strong stuff and i think it does for the most part, I think today what that movie was trying to tell. I think telling telling a story of adventure, telling a story of breaking free from ones like insecurities, ones you know, like just you know, you know I guess hermitness. I suppose I don't know. That's kind of like a characteristic like of Gotham Vin stiller in that movie. So, no, I mean, this is for for movie soundtracks. I think this is pretty strong. Let's keep it going. Yeah. Last round. God, I, I guess I'm still going here with this one. Uh, so. Uh, I'll probably need your little help. Maybe I, maybe I'll need your help a little bit on this, Ben, for the bio. But right. we're 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 gonna we're gonna talk more, some, about some more soul music, and like and like Ty Hawkins, who kind of combines a lot of songs with soul. This is 100 percent true soul music uh, by an artist name who goes under the pseudonym Swamp Dog. I don't remember his actual name. The original
1: D O double G. Yeah, because that's how. It's
0: <laughs> yeah, like he's from like the like. I think his music career started at the very beginning of the '70s. At least, no, 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 no. He was recording stuff before, but as Swamp Dog, yes, he was. Uh, I kind of started the very start the '70s. Um, I'd actually heard known the name Swamp Dog and knew of his stuff. Well, not not his music, but particularly his album covers. I'll say why in a second. For a long while, for and you know, because I and the reason I had heard of him, and I'm s- salty about this now, is because. He is why, I think, especially the album that I had you guys listen to called Radon, uh, he is widely regarded to have some of the absolute worst album covers of all time. Just look up Swamp Dog album covers. They're just the worst. And particularly with Radon uh, features (laughs) him wearing uh, a, a fringed leather vest, wearing what I can only be described as a shirt. Made out of like a psych, psychedelic zebra skin, and he's riding a giant albino rat. It, it's 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 horrid. And I'm like, okay. And for the longest time, because of that, I thought, oh, this guy is just some gimmick artist, whatever. There's no reason to look into his music. Then I heard. Then he had released an album this year. Um, I, I I forget. Uh, what's it? Uh, remind me of the name. Sorry, you couldn't make it. Thank you. Thank you, yep. Ben. See, this is helpful. And, uh, and then I kind of learned more about the backstory of this guy because one of the reviewers who, had, who I watched on YouTube who originally made fun of this, his alma artwork so many times, he said, oh, yeah, this guy's legit, though. I'm like, hold on. What, what are you saying? This guy has actually been around, like I said, since like the early 70s. He's made God knows how many records at this point. Uh, and he is legit. He can sing. Oh, my God, he's one of the best voices I've heard in a long time. And he he while well, he makes a lot of these kind of these weird, like, love songs and kind of these weird, like, you know, like, off-kilter, you know, lyric stuff, he also has a lot of, like, heartfelt songs as well, when, whether it be about love or politics especially, especially with race relations. You definitely got a lot of this on the album, And I, I remember, so I bought I was, for my birthday, my mom just gave me a bunch of money. She said, just go crazy at a record source. And I went, made sure I wore gloves and bass and social distance and whatnot. But I was walking through there and it's like, I just saw this album radon sitting there. I'm like, all right, I heard this guy's legit. you know, why not? Let's give this a shot. And I was just like, my mouth was on the floor when I was listening to this album. I was like, God damn it, for four, how, like four or five years, however long I knew this guy, never gave him a second thought beyond the album covers. This is the ultimate, do not judge, uh, you, do not judge the music by his album cover, because God damn, I made that mistake with this man. And I'm just going to have Ben play the song, uh, God Bless America, What For? And you'll know why uh <laughs> Musically, that's one of his more, one more subdued tracks on, on that album, but you can, you can tell just how well he can sing. He's one of the most emotional singers I've ever heard. It's great. And, you know, songs like that, and Do You Believe, and remember I said tomorrow, you know, to have a lot of you know, discussions about, you know, race and politics, you know, considering, what, you know, obviously that became, really forefront more than ever, you know, in such a long time, forefront of our national conversation, that really hit home for me, you know, and even songs like Creeping Away and Gotta Get a Message to You, which is, I think about, sort of just, you know, kind of your standard love song, I won't say standard love songs, which is love songs. Even then, those just really hit home, you know, it's just how much just gusto he puts into his stuff. And yeah, I feel, I feel robbed that I hadn't listened to this man's music for so long, because now I've fallen in love with Swamp
2: Dog. But I want to hear what you two have to say about Swamp Dog now. So I had some familiarity with Swamp Dog, as you, you may have heard. I, you know, if, if you know me, if you have kind of gotten a sense of me through what I've shown on this show, you might get the, the idea that Swamp Dog is kind of right up my alley. Like, I like soul music, I like funk music, I like s- people who are willing to be silly, and he is all of these things and more. Um, yeah, just a, a, an atomic bomb of a voice Swamp Dog has. And the, the, the willingness to do anything and the ability to do anything, I really wanted to bring up. Um, 2018 and 2020, Swamp Dog put out albums. Um, and in 2018, he put out an album called Love, Loss, and Auto-Tune. Where he gets together with some producers, he brings some hip hop elements in with soul and funk, and he experiments with AutoTune in the craziest way you've ever heard, um, and like uses it as an instrument. Like I am, an, I have become a guy who can respect AutoTune when it's used properly. This is AutoTune used. I don't even know if it's properly. It's he's he's pushing it to its absolute limit, and I really love it. And his most recent record, Sorry You could not Make It, um, is has some country flavor to it which is really cool and yeah i mean this record is great i really don't know like i haven't gone album by album with swamp dog yet because there's a lot but i really don't know if he has anything
1: bad i seriously don't know if he's capable of of recording an entirely bad album uh, my impressions when you, when I heard that song, you just played Andrew, uh, that is what fully sold it for me up to that point. You're getting amazing guitar tone. You're getting awesome licks and stuff, uh, just great instrumentation. You're getting this guy's voice and that's great. But then when you get to God bless America for what, um, I mean, what a great song to discover, um, in the world we're in right now. And, Coming off of an album where it's a guy riding a rat, I mean, it's just it's crazy to me um, where you can find this shit. Because it's like, um, you know, that message of like, you know, you hear that phrase all the time: "God bless America." But what what should God be blessing America for? That's what he's asking in this yeah. song. Is it really "God bless America"? We're so great, or is it "God bless America"? because we need a blessing because we've we've committed some some sins you know and that's what i get from that song and i think that's that hits super hard and and of course you know you have other songs um on this album in particular for me remember i said tomorrow had probably the best instrumentation um especially guitar wise that's what really did it for me that's what clicked me in right away but um damn man if if his albums like i mean ben you just said like uh, this guy seems to like want to change his sound a lot. Um, I'm interested in listening to whatever this guy puts out because I, if it's as uh, groundbreaking and awesome as this album, um, I know I'm going to like it, so.
0: Yeah, uh, this was his, I believe, second studio record right on, I, forget, I, think, I forgot what the first one uh, is called. Um, I, I, oh, i getting all my, the research I did, um, if I remember correctly, um there it is it's called total destruction of your mind which mm-hmm. should say something i think he was inspired by like lsd and like frank sappho's uh weirdness when he, when he made that record um and yeah he's just been pumping out records for just the longest time you know he's become he was he didn't sell a lot of records from Iron Dating when he was first making music which is a crime although then again when you look at covers like radon it kind of makes sense too uh <laughs> but you know it, he becomes such a cult classic and now yeah you know again the most recent record Bennett mentioned the country record country you know flavorings there and it and the stuff i've heard from that album is pretty good um so this definitely is a guy who has just a deep appreciation for music and trying new things, reinventing himself. I really can't recommend much more from there because I just don't really know where to go with him next. I, I, I'm i kind of like running the same issues with the Flaming Lifts where I just like, such a huge back catalog. He's done a lot of stuff. I don't know where to go next. So, um, and it's just, just a ton of stuff in Spotify too. So uh, it'll probably take some more research on my part, but yes, at the very least, definitely check out the most recent Swamp Dog record from, from my vantage point, check out this album. Don't. Don't just ignore, ignore the album covers by all God, please. And just focus on just, just man's wonderful talents. I'm really happy to also saw that as well.
2: All right. You want to wrap it up? I got my last one. Let's do it. Okay. We have, we have another connection here. I must bring up, I mentioned that Swamp Dog's most recent album is a country album. This guy I'm about to talk to you about is a country singer, which I feel like is rare for this show. Um, And he was featured on two songs on Swamp Dog's 2020 album. Sorry, you couldn't make it. This is the favorite songwriter or a favorite songwriter of people like Bob Dylan, Johnny Cash, Roger Waters, Casey Musgraves. This guy's a three-time Grammy winner, although you might have never heard his name before, but you probably heard one of his songs. Um, This is John Prine. He put his first album out in 1972. He put his last album out in 2018. Um, A country music artist first and foremost, an amazing songwriter, probably even before that. This is from uh, his 1978 album, sort of a stripped down back to basics album called Bruised Orange. The song is called Sabu Visits the Twin Cities Alone, which I will explain um, right now. So the Elephant Boy, Sabu the Elephant Boy is a, It's a series of movies from the 40s about this Indian kid who, you know, he rode on an elephant and he would kind of like, uh, he had, he had little adventures and stuff. This is a song about the actor that played that kid. I don't, I think this is part true, part fiction. The actor that played that kid going on like a publicity tour through the Midwest, through like Minnesota, Wisconsin, like the Midwest to the Northern part of the Midwest. Um, it's, it's a I think it's a touching song, and I'm just going to play you a little snippet of it.
4: The movie wasn't really doing so hot, Said the new producer to the old big shot It's down on the edge of the great Midwest Sabu must tour all forever rest Hey, look, my, here comes the elephant boy Bundled all up in his coat of Headed down south towards Illinois From the jungles of East St. Paul His manager sat in the office alone Staring at the numbers on the telephone Wondering how a man could send a child actor to visit in the land of the windchill factory. Hey, look, my, here comes the elephant
2: bone. I think that song can give you a little bit of an idea of of what John Prine does. He can tug at your heartstrings with a melody. He can sing about something really silly and make it sound not silly, or make it sound really stupid. Um, I really, I picked this one because John Prine. Disclaimer, I guess. sad thing again died of COVID-19 um I think in March or April and that was the push I needed like I I had known his first album but I hadn't really appreciated him beyond that we lost him and I got heavily into him um this summer and I had no idea what you guys were going to think of this but this is the big artist from my summer so I had to
1: to bring him in even though this isn't really a country show no absolutely and I'm I'm, I respect the fact that you brought it here ben because you talked about john prine all throughout the summer and then it was also like another um road trip pick right that was on the right. playlist yeah
2: um, he was all over
1: yeah and and this is someone you were recommending to us prior and but i never knew what the album was w- where do i start and you know i got roped in right away not from the songwriting but actually from the guitar playing on fish and whistle just right away it hooks you in with some just glorious finger picking guitar. Um, you know and not country in the traditional way that you would think of it but a really like clean and soft and and very um pleasant sounding folk style guitar mm-hmm. and um of course the lyric uh his vocals stand out and that's the that's the thing with me with country is um the reason why i can't get into it so heavily is um for me a country singer has to have a standout uh vocal performance Um, that's why Johnny, people like Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson are so easy to get into is because they have a whole personality in the timbre of their vocals. And, um, and I feel like that's the big step people have to get across if they want to get into country. And, um, but John Prine did that for me. Um, and it, it's probably one of the hardest things, um, you know, someone with my music taste can, uh, accept because country is so far out of my wheelhouse, um, besides like those big name guys. Um, and then, you know, you have that um, style song, which I talked about, and then you get late into the album and you get Iron Ore Betty, um, which was just like, I don't know what hit me with that song, but it was just like, maybe it was um, the fact that it was louder. It was uh, a little more abrasive, but like it just kind of came out of nowhere and it blew me away. Um, I don't know going forward if like i'm going to go out of my way and look into more john prine albums um but if you were to send one to me ben i would go out of my way and listen to it again because um it intrigued me for sure
0: yeah and i actually don't have much to add to that i think michael said pretty much kind of of summed up my thoughts on this too you know and again i'm not the biggest country guy because i grew up listening to johnny cash so i have definitely have that with me, you know, but my parents listen to modern countries, so mm-hmm. yeah, um, a lot, and it, it just just kills, just kill that genre. If you know any, if you've ever listened to the modern country charts, it will destroy like that 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 genre's uh, credibility, to you just real quick. But you know, especially when you go back in time a bit, yeah, sure, in the seventies, you'll know, artists like Glenn Campbell, which no, uh, but. I I rather enjoyed this. Again, if I'm going to listen to country, you know, like, it, I typically, I, I like outlaw country. I, I like the atmosphere that that genre brings. And I also like the folkier side sound of country, you know, like that, like, especially when it's more, almost more folk than actual country. I think that's stuff I can really get into. Um, and, you know, when i the minute that started singing, I mean, I was getting Dylan vibes. I mean, immediately, just because I don't know it was the way his voice sounded, like, oh, this is Dylan. And I don't mean that in a bad way, because it was mm-hmm. Dylan... Definitely with some more country influences, kinda of reminded me of some of his More Country Records. And uh, and uh, Michael Brupp's guitar playing, I think that's I think it's excellent. I mean, Dylan, I mean, he's a great artist. I don't know if he's really renowned for his guitar playing abilities. And not that he really needed to, especially early on in his career. he was just making simple folk music and i don't mean that as a drag it's just that was his thing and that was part of his appeal but i I feel like this is almost sounds like dylan's sound but expanded upon this is like it it, like he was able to bring like something because so many artists you know especially when you hear like those kind of like nasally you know like vocals over like folk guitars, like oh god another dylan clone but no i don't get that with john prine i i definitely um I definitely think that he was able to really ex- expand on his sound you know songs with like you know sabu you know visits the twin cities alone i uh, really like the title track on this record and i'm glad you brought up iron Orn bet iron bet uh iron or betty hmm. why can i say that yep. but michael that song i'm glad you brought that up because i also really enjoyed that as well i think this is this was, this was pretty interesting again I, i'm kind of with michael i don't know how much i'm going to explore moving forward but again like it if you have any recommendations where to move forward with this, you know, Ben, especially with some of this more stripped down material, again, it's, I'm kind of drawn to that stuff. Uh, I, I, I would, I would listen to it if I were to find this in a record store, this album, I, I it was for a good price. I, I buy it. I think this was, this was pretty good. So I mean, I'm glad you finally gave me a taste of John Prine. Cause again, I really only knew my name name only before, mm-hmm. uh, listening to this record
2: you know i think i will do just a little bit of a recommendation just so people i think people need to get into john prine especially now that he's gone you know he's a a great artist but um i think 1991 he put out a, a an album double lp called john prine live and it's a collection of live recordings from his career up to that point i think all from one night but it's just him and an electric guitar i think he's finger picking or it's a plugged in acoustic um telling stories about almost every song, playing a collection of songs from his entire career. And he was a live experience, just an, an amazing storyteller, one of those artists who, whose ability as a storyteller would rival their ability as a musician. So if, if you want to try and get a little deeper into John Prine or really
1: get an impression of who he was, you should listen to that John Prine live album. If you were to um, compare the, the album that you gave us to any Dylan record. What would it be? Oh, um, off the
2: very top of my head, probably, yeah. I mean, the country stuff is more similar, so maybe something like New Morning. But if you're thinking of something stripped down, I'd probably say Blood on the Tracks. Not tonally,
1: but like the way that the music sounds, I'd say that there might be a similarity there. I will. Right. Continuing to get into Bob Dylan, slowly but surely. That episode is coming. Someday. Yeah, we gotta,
0: we got to do that as well. <laughs> I, I, I would love... If you figure out a way to actually make that, not make it like 12 hours long, yes, I would love to do a
1: Dylan episode. If we find like some time. way to like make it really interesting, you know, like the Beatles uh, debate, which will come someday come, but. Uh,
0: well, I, I think that's about it. I think that's about everyone. We're, we're not going to do recommendations this week uh, because I think a lot of these were like stuff we would have put as recommendations although then again i got into a lot of stuff i really didn't talk about how much post-punk i've been listening to this summer so you'll probably be hearing that moving forward with my personal recommendations hell maybe we'll do a post-punk episode i don't know we we haven't we have we have ideas we just don't have a schedule yet (laughs) as far as uh, things out so um but i think uh, i think we kind of like settled on the idea of possibly doing uh uh, since we have a little bit of gap when this is recorded and when the, the, this next episode uh, will be released, we might do a mini episode as well as an episode about the Silver Sun pickups, which you promised me, Michael, last, last, uh, that's happening. last semester. So uh, I think that's, you can probably expect that uh, from us next year on Soundcheck, but uh, yeah. Real quick before we move off, though, Ben, what are these? Because I'm sitting in his oh. office right now, and I'm seeing like these high, like glossy res, like uh, printouts of our, our last week's thumbnails. I forgot how good this oh, is. Fucking, this is probably the best one.
2: For this the, is probably the best one, okay. For the listener, the watcher is, is seeing it on Andrew's screen, um, at least some of it. I, I, Zoom is automatically cutting, so some of them they're not getting, but. Uh for the listener, I've printed out five of our best album artworks and I'm going to hang them in the the new <laughs> newly minted podcast studio to someday grace us when we can finally record in a studio again. So um just know that those will be yeah. somewhere in the studio eventually when we're recording in a studio again. That's yeah. a little behind the scenes for you.
1: For sure. I'm excited for this season, boys. I think it's yeah, gonna
0: be too. Also, can I say, th- this This picture still trips me the fuck out of how well. It looks like, so similar. It looks, it looks, chill, like it fits. Like, I'm, I'm showing right now for, again, the listeners, I'm showing uh, the thumbnail of, uh, for the Mac DeMarco episode where he photoshopped Michael's face onto uh, the Days album. And it looks so, sub- It like, it's a seamless fit. Like, it almost doesn't look like a Photoshop. I mean, Jesus Christ.
2: That one was
1: just pure luck. That one just worked so well. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys well hey uh, for anybody listening thank you what do we usually say at the end of episodes you've it's been that long you've forgotten it's our closing closeout. i know what we say what we do we say boys good night, good night detroit, detroit.
0: <laughs> almost had it that time damn it <laughs>
2: You like gotta dance. I'll hide that was over the ending. Please let me go. Everyone make noise so it'll cut to you.
3: Oh, life, can you afford me another chance?
0: It's not working. <laughs> if you up, let me go round again. It's not
3: working for me.